The Strategic Leader Podcast, episode number 254. This is a special edition. Welcome, everyone, to the program today. My name is Brian Holmes, and I am your host. Welcome to the Strategic Leader Podcast. Hey, if this is your first time joining us, we are especially grateful that you found us. Maybe you're a regular listener, and if you are, we're so grateful to have you in our community of leaders. Hey, we're in transition right now. We're preparing some wonderful, new, and exciting things for you on this podcast with our website and so on. And while we're in the process of transition, we are bringing you some incredible content. Today's not going to be any exception to that at all. We're grateful you're here. I hope you're ready to dive deep, get started, and become the leader that God has created you to be. Let's get started, everybody. Before we go to our featured interview today, I have this special announcement for you. Anyone that knows me knows that my driving philosophy is that there is always a next level to achieve. The challenge for so many is that we get so busy doing the things we know to do and we become stuck in the same patterns, hanging out with the same people, doing the same things, living with the same results all the time. And this, my friends, is called the status quo. Uh, The truth is, is that most people never do find their way to a next level kind of life. They do just enough to get by. Their relationships are just good enough to keep them entertained. Their businesses, their ministries are doing just well enough to provide them some sense of meaning. They never seem to break through to their full potential. They never seem to expand their reach to what it really could be. And there are so many reasons why people settle for mediocrity and the mundane. Maybe it's low self-esteem, it's fear, limiting beliefs, insufficient relationships, lack of support. Maybe it's just lack of information or a lack of knowledge. Five years ago, I found myself at a fork in the road. To the left, mediocrity, conformity, life-sucking relationships, and not a whole lot of hope. To the right, There was challenge, new information, new relationships, forward movement, progress, growth, and a new sense of purpose and hope. What if there was a way to blow past these obstacles and take your place on that next level? What if there was a system that provided you the support, the resources, the connections, and the information you needed to break free from the bondage of the same old, same old? What if you could plug into a time-tested, proven system that could catapult your life and your leadership to a completely new place. Well, you don't have to wonder anymore. I've recently created a free training program that will teach you exactly how I went from being completely stuck to living the life God intended me to live. This training will only be available for a few more days, and there's no cost to attend these classes, but you must register right away to get access. Go to brianholmes.com forward slash next level to register today. I am so pleased today to introduce you to a new friend. John Ramstead began his career as a Navy F-14 pilot. In fact, he graduated at the top of his class from the Naval Flight School in Pensacola, Florida. He flew many, many sorties and combat missions during Desert Storm and was a decorated pilot, was even invited to attend Top Gun, which is an elite school for military pilots. And following his Navy career, he became a very successful entrepreneur, managed Fortune 100 companies, and had tremendous success in the business world. A few years ago, he had a near-fatal accident that changed his life forever. His is truly a story of triumph and tragedy and transition. This man has walked out a remarkable journey from success to significance. He is the founder of a company that's called Beyond Influence. It's a global leadership coaching and consulting firm. He is a sought-after speaker, an author, a blogger, a podcaster. You'll hear more about that in a few moments. He's been happily married to his precious wife, Donna, for 27 years, has three sons, and they live in a state where I'd like to live one day. They live in Colorado, 
And uh, I just can't wait for you to meet him, hear his story as we share a beautiful conversation. Let's go right now to my interview with John Ramstead. John, it's awesome to have you on the program today, my friend. Thanks for taking time. Brian, thanks for having me on, and thank you for what you do. I truly appreciate your heart and just how you're equipping leaders out there. Man, I'm having a blast. Uh, I'm doing something that uh, in a lane I never imagined doing, but like you, and we'll talk so much more about what you're doing here in a moment, but like you, uh, it's a joy to be able to engage and bless and grow and build people. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful to have you on because you and I seem to be kind of hanging out in the same circles. So it's really, really neat to have someone of like mind, like faith on. Uh, couldn't agree more. And it's, it's, it's really cool how we met, but, you know, meeting other people, that's the best part. I think what we get, we get to do, Brian, is really meet people that are doing real things in their life, have meaningful conversations and, you know, just joke, grow and challenge each other. Yeah, absolutely. And let's just briefly mention how we did meet uh, one of our mutual friends, uh, who is a fellow aviator, I might add, Dean Showalter, introduced us, and I'm so glad that he did. Dean's one of the most awesome men I know on the planet, and I love him dearly, and he's uh, someone who's a part of our mastermind group, but also just a dear friend. And man, uh, I was fortunate the day he said, you got to know John Ramstead. And I feel the same way. And next time you see Dean, since you guys are in the same area there, um, you got to give him a big old hug for me. I will do it, man. I, I see him on a video conference once a week, but I see him uh, several times a year otherwise because we're not in the same area. He's on the East Coast. I'm in the middle of the country, but and you're on the West Coast, so we got the whole place covered. Yeah, we do. Well, tell us a little bit about you, John. Give us j- Just give our audience sort of a backstory, um, and I'm going to... I'm going to go down a path here in a moment with you on some things that really touch my heart about your story, but give us sort of the, the short version of who is John Ramstead and uh, what's, what are you doing? You know, our, our entire focus right now, uh, Brian, is on something that God put on our heart called Project 100. And uh, this was uh, five years ago, I had an accident that, that should have killed me, put me in the hospital for almost two full years. And out of this, as I was recovering, uh, God just kept putting on my heart about discipling nations, and and it really struck me about, you know, I have the second chance to live, and how do I use this incredible gift that he's giving me? But, you know, this whole concept of discipling nations is, that is so big for one person to do. And it was two and a, or actually three years ago now, Brian, that God spoke to me in my prayer time on a Saturday. He said, I want you to use this life I've given you to equip and inspire leaders to work in my kingdom. And that's actually what led me into the work I'm doing now with leaders and coaches. But, you know, through this, I just kept having these dreams and visions, and this number would come up constantly of a million. And as we really started to think about this is, you know, what uh, it became clear to me is God wanted me to have an impact and an influence on a million people in the next five years. I'm like, all right, well, I, you know, I need to step forward into this faithfulness, but how do you even do something like that? So as we prayed into that, God showed us how to do that. And that is 100 times 100 is 10,000 times 100 is a million. And so our entire focus right now, Brian, is to just so equip, um, to teach, to train, to empower, and to launch people that are leaders, they're entrepreneurs, uh, they're coaches, into just to be that equipper to allow them to step into not only who they are, to understand who God is, who they are from God's perspective, and then what they were created to do, and then give them what they need, you know, be that catalyst to launch them into that. Because, uh, And that's why we've rebranded and named the company Beyond Influence. It's about leading beyond influence, because Brian, there's people you touch, like Dean, who are having an influence and an impact in the life of all these people that are, are folks out on the East Coast that you don't know, right? That is you leading yeah. and living beyond influence. And that is what is our focus and our passion on everything that we're doing at the at the company today. Man, I love that. And as you are aware, that's so much of what we do here. Uh, our company, ironically enough, is called Strategic Influencers. 
And uh, I tell you what, there, there is nothing like, one, discovering who you really are and why God puts you here in this particular season. And then maybe more importantly, developing yourself and growing the confidence and then engaging or becoming activated in a particular space where that beyond influence kind of effect can, can make its mark. And it, it's, it's the ripple effect. Every person that you touch, every person that I touch, they're going to they're gonna impact 10 people, 100 people. Who knows? I mean, they might impact 1,000 people. And so it's just a beautiful thing to be able to pour into the lives of people uh, through this wonderful medium uh, like you and I do. Uh, you, you have an incredible podcast, which is one of your primary ways that you reach people. Tell us a little bit about eternal leadership. What is that concept? Where did it come from? And, and uh, what are you doing with that? You know the the whole thing started. Uh, it was about I I I stepped into building a coach a leadership coaching business, and I was a, really wanted to figure out. You know, there's so many amazing thought leaders, people of just character, and they just have all these incredible life experiences and people I could learn from. And I'm like, okay, how do I connect with some of these amazing people like you, Brian and Dean, and you know, and. James Dobson and Ken Eldred and John Maxwell and all these people I'd just love to have a conversation with. And so we actually started with a podcast with one mission and it's, let's let's have these conversations with a goal of how do we equip and inspire people to just step into the potential that God created in them. And that's where everything started. So it's been two years and it's grown around the world and we're in 192 countries and we just get tens of thousands of people listening in and I got to tell you, though, the the best part about it is the conversations that I get to have with people that listen in and the friendships that we've made, the relationships that have started. Uh, it, man, I got to tell you, it has been it has been such a rich blessing beyond anything we ever I ever thought of when we, when we started it. You mentioned relationships, John, and I tell you what, that just want to take a bit of a rabbit trail here. That's one of the things that I, I talk about often because we we get so caught up in our little myopic worlds and we don't recognize that there is so much happening out there. And in and, and my language, your language, there's so much that God is doing out there. And there are a lot of other people doing similar things with the same kind of heart. And I, I was kind of quarantined, I suppose, in a way in a particular setting with church ministry for a, a long time. I'm not saying that was a bad thing. I was right where I was supposed to be for that season. But the point is, is that I didn't recognize that there were so many entrepreneurs, business leaders, and and leadership experts, and people that were out there that loved God and certainly were making a massive impact, but they were doing it in the marketplace. And that was so refreshing to me to find out that there are people like John Ramstead out there doing this thing and to begin to collaborate and get to know and encourage one another and, and do life together with that kind of a group is so wonderful. And I know you've probably had the same kind of experience. You know, I have, and and also I found doing this. There's so many people that want to make an impact. You know, in the workplace, really, the marketplace is really where we have focused, and they don't know. They kind of know the why and the what of what it looks like. They don't know the how, and also more importantly, too. And you know, you and I have talked about this: is who you need to be to really effectively bring the kingdom into that world, right? Because uh, I think you and I both agree that. You know, this world concept of the secular and the sacred, right? We go to church on Sunday, but Monday through Friday, it's a different world, right? That's that's right, business, right. that's work. And that is not how God sees it. Everything, everything is woven together. Everything is part of the fabric. Everything, um, if we're willing to work on who we are, how we show up, what we do, how we look at leadership, is is um, it can intentionally be toward building the kingdom through building relationships, taking interest in other people, right? How we define leadership. So, I mean, there's incredible opportunities. And unfortunately, uh, a big part of how a lot of Christians look at ministry, uh, there's very few people that use the word work or business or, you know, job in the same sentence as ministry. Uh, right, think, right. Brian? Oh, man. Well, I, this is one of my, my soapboxes right here, and I, I'm so <laughs> – I'm giddy right now because I, 
I found a brother from another mother that gets this. <laughs> there, there, there needs to be the eradication of the big great wall between sacred and secular. Uh, we, we are here as sons and daughters of God to to make a difference, to have an impact, to administer influence, to make a difference, and we we can't do that as long as we have the mindset that it's us and them, and uh, we we can't have the mindset that there's the church and then there's the marketplace. It's we're the church is us. It's it's we as people, and the church is wherever we go. And if if we're going into corporate America, if we're going into uh, a little small mom and pop shop somewhere, if we're going into a widget store, wherever we're going, that's that's where we're supposed to be doing ministry. And so, absolutely, man, you and I are so much on the same page there. Well, thank you, and I and I thank you for being out there. And you know, everybody listening, I know they're listening into you know your podcast right now because they're they're trying to be that strategic leader, and they're they're looking for ways to do that. And I really. Man, just want to give you guys an affirmation, everybody that's part of Brian's world and plugged into his podcast that, you know, um, think about it. Touching 100 people over the next five years, that is doable for every single one of us. Yes. And what yes, if 100, what if those folks, just because of your influence and impact at work, your coworker, somebody sitting in a cube, a customer, a vendor, a client, because of how you showed up, how you interacted with them, they saw something, they made some changes that, you know, that has that ripple effect. And I truly believe that each of us, one person listening right now, can literally touch uh, and have an influence on a million people over the next five, ten years. I, I don't care how long it takes, but as long as we're looking at that perspective, right, not not a perspective that we want to become believers because now we have fire insurance and, and we're forgiven, <laughs> Right, but we need to go out there with what we've been created to do and go take territory back because in all these spheres of influence, media entertainment, the family, government, the workplace, even in the church, we have lost tremendous amount yeah. of territory and influence. And if we look just Brian, think about over just the last twenty years, who has had more influence on our culture? You know, Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, you know, these big companies or the entire evangelical movement in total. Oh, yeah. No, it's 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 these companies. It's Hollywood. It's agendas far outside of the religious sector, for sure. And so therein lies the incredible opportunity that should really fill our hearts, right? It, if we go out with a focus to teach, train, and equip others, and we can go take territory back in some of these spheres for the marketplace, man, there there's a lot of market share to be had out there. We just need people to you know get out of the stands and get on the field and be willing to be coached and, and play the game and play the game differently. Absolutely. I, I want to I wanna take a step back here just for a second. And I want to uh, talk about your journey a little bit. Uh, first of all, when we first got on the call a while ago, you and I geeked out for like a half an hour talking about pilot stuff. Yeah. Uh, because I've been a pilot for 25 years, and you have quite a story. Uh, man, by the way, thank you for serving our country. Uh, John was a Navy pilot and uh, a very top-level, high-level Navy pilot, mind you. And uh, in fact, in fact, you flew uh, one of my favorite aircraft of all time. You flew the F-14, I believe. Didn't you have your choice of aircraft because of where you ranked out? I did. I when I went down to Pensacola, my dad gave me you some. Stud you. <laughs> when I got those orders to go to flight school, I tell you, man, I was. I had two mixed emotions, man: absolute abject excitement and total fear because I was afraid that. I, I wasn't the guy, right? We talked about, you, you know, you talk about a lot, you know, limiting beliefs and things like this. I yeah. had some patterns running that, you know, you aren't the guy that can even do this. I actually even gave up on that dream in college. I was in ROTC and I heard somebody talk, uh, one of the guys that came in to present, he said only one in 10,000 people that apply for aviation even get a seat in a, in a fighter cockpit. And I actually put my, pulled my name out of the basket and I was going to go submarines, Brian. And I got to tell you, I was so man, I was depressed. I'm like, I just gave up on myself. I gave up on my dream and I decided to just re-engage with that and got in. And when I went down, my dad said, hey, listen, when you get down to Pensacola, there's going to be another student who's just, everybody's talking about. He's the ace of the base and he is doing something differently than everybody else. You need to get to know this guy, become his friend and find out what he's doing. 
and I did that. This guy's name was John Foster. He had a totally different mindset about how he was preparing uh, for the training, how he was operating, how he was learning. Um, and I just did what he did. And by and just in simply doing that, it was extra work that I even shared it freely with a lot of my friends who didn't put in the work. But because of that, I graduated number one. Um, and I really give that credit to some incredible mentorship and then being willing to put in that extra work. And when you graduate number one, you get your choice. And my choice was to fly F-14s out of uh, NAS Oceana in Virginia Beach. And that's where I headed to learn how to fly the uh, the Tomcat. Man, I'm jealous, bro. I'm just saying. It was I, awesome. I, I've had, I've had, I got a little bit of time in some jet aircraft. I even got a little bit of time in an L-29, uh, an old Cold War era trainer jet. But uh, man, the F-14, are you kidding me, man? I can hear highway to the danger zone right now. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I'll never forget the first time I went supersonic in this airplane. As a matter of fact, we're, we get up to altitude and and where where you go to full afterburner, we're up about thirty five thousand feet, and we're point point nine Mach, right? Point nine two, point nine four. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going supersonic, and I'm channeling my inner Chuck Yeager, and I'm like, oh man, we're gonna break the sub very bad. I hope we don't blow up, you know. I hope I don't die. I'm like, oh my, here we go, point nine nine, one point oh, one point oh one. I'm like, wow, nothing happened. I'm like, we're going supersonic. I look down at my ground speed at this point. We we're going 1,103 knots, Brian. So you can imagine. Oh, Lord. Now, what happened was I'm looking out at my um, my nose cone, and I can see like this heat wave, this shimmer, like when you're driving on like a desert highway. You see that little mirage out in the distance? Yeah, yeah. Right? And it's coming off the nose cone. I'm like, oh, my, what is that? And I realized that was our shock wave. And see, then then I went, and my hand was on the stick, but then I went to turn the airplane. I got to tell you, it was like I went from being in control of the airplane to the airplane being in control of me, and it was like instant. Um, because there was just so much energy, so much momentum on this beast that I felt like if I did anything, even tried to turn the plane, we were just going to turn into a rolling fireball. I really felt that way, and I had to really connect with what I was doing, why I was doing it, you know, what, you know, who I'd been trained to be to get back into control. And I think about that sometimes in life, right? Because we're just speeding along and it's like the velocity of life and work and our responsibilities and our habit patterns and our thoughts just kind of lock us into mm -hmm. a direction. And we don't even know if the direction we're heading in is bringing us to where we even want to get to. Absolutely. Uh, you know, when you were talking a moment ago, just going back two steps, uh, when you took your name out of the hat back mm -hmm. at flight school, I mean, how many people do you suppose, metaphorically speaking, do that in life where they they are destined by God to do certain things? And maybe it's just a, one marker in their journey, but it's still, this is the path, this is the thing. And out of fear, out of insecurity, out of brokenness, out of whatever, they they rather than even engaging the challenge of what possibly could be, they just take their name out of the hat to begin with. I mean, ha talk about that a bit, because that, that was a moment where you had a big decision to make. Well, that was, that was a huge decision. And, you know, if I, as I look back on that time, right, I think some of the poor decisions that have really, that I have subjected myself to have really come from these areas of identity, um, and right. And that, that identity that we have, this self identity comes from a couple areas of, you know, the first one is all of our experiences and how we think about those, right? Uh, some of us in our background, we, you know, we have abuse, we have neglect, we have tragedy. Um, there's, you know, there's things that people always say to us, right? Like, uh, my kids, when they were younger, were, were in the one of them, you know, one of my boys, everybody would always come up and say, oh, man, he is so handsome. And the other one, oh, he is so sweet. And as that gets repeated, right, does one of the boys think, hey, I'm good looking, but nobody thinks I'm nice? Yeah, yeah, or sure. Does, right. Or does the other boy think, you know, everybody thinks I'm nice, but I wonder if they all think I'm ugly. But it's amazing all these habits and patterns that are kind of packed in. And a lot of it is, you know, we don't even put it there. It's kind of put there. You know, the other area is things that other people say to us, like like that example, right? What we, you know, what other people think about us that they say to us. And then I think the other, the more dangerous place um, is what we think that other people think 
Because some of those things yeah. we start accepting as truths. And what happens is those things that we accept as truths, like myself, right? I clearly had what it took to, to succeed at flight school, but that is not how I saw myself. So I think, you know, going through and really digging into these areas in our life that we need to really address, because a lot of us, you know, we talk about the why, the what, and the how of leadership, and Simon Sinek has that great book, Start With Why, and I think I think that really misses a step, and it's about the who. Who we are as a leader, if we don't get that right, and we don't start looking at ourselves, because one of the most powerful conversations I ever had when I was going through this process after my accident. Um, and I was there with my coach, his name's Jeff Spatafora, and he's uh, the head of coaching at the Halftime Institute. And I said, you know, Jeff, I got to figure out how I'm wired. And we were kind of going through a process to look at my, you know, gifts and strengths and skills. And, and Jeff looks over at me, Brian, he says, you know what, I would ask that question a different way. Why don't you ask yourself how God wired you? And what did yeah. he wire you for? And I got to tell you, that might sound like a subtle difference, but for me, that was like this giant shift in starting to look at who I was, how I thought, what was in my head, my limiting beliefs, in a totally different way, which which really was a catalyst for me for for transformation, for for being that different person, that who that I that God wanted me to be, that He created me to be, and needed me to be. Um, that I was the one, I was the guy who was the constraint. I was the roadblock between myself and that, that idea that, well, I, I would say that real self that God created for me to be. Wow. Very powerful. I mean, that's so in line with, with the experiences that I've seen in coaching other people that uh, it, it, it really boils down to the who and having a grasp on that, a, a legitimate God-centric grasp on who he says you are, how you're wired, and, and what he's given you to do. You know, you something that struck me about your your bio and your story and the things that I've kind of been reading up on is that you have experienced maybe more than your fair share of transition in life. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, that's a big topic for me. In fact, I'm, I'm finishing a book now and about to launch a, a, a pretty powerful coaching program for leaders who are transitioning. But Looking at your story, going back to the fighter pilot thing, you were you were on your way to Top Gun, man, the Top Gun, and you experienced an injury, which that that had to be a moment in time that was just devastating emotionally. Uh, but I mean, that uh, something outside of your control catapulted you into a transition you didn't ask for. Yeah, Talk about you know, that a little bit. You know, it's it's a it's hard to go through some of these times, right? Um, a friend of mine said, you can't have a Timoni uh, unless you go through something like that. I'm like, what are you mm. talking about? He said, well, you know, a testimony. You can't have a Timoni unless you have a test. <laughs> and this is one of, my, one of my biggest tests, right? This has been a dream since I was a kid. I almost gave up on it, put all my heart and soul into it. Was just having this career. I'd been in Iraq, flown a couple combat tours in Iraq back in Desert Storm. And was just told that I was going to go through Top Gun. And then I was playing softball with some friends that next weekend in just kind of a freak accident. I got hit with a line drive in my right eye, and I had a blowout fracture. And I had nerve damage to my right eye. had some a little bit of double vision. And, and Brian, I was done. Uh, I, went, I was in Japan. I was stationed in Japan. They flew me back to San Diego, saw all the, all the specialists back there, and they said, you we have no idea if this is going to resolve. If you were anybody else in an aircraft carrier-based combat pilot, um, you'd be cleared to go back to work, but we cannot give you your medical back. And I had a choice to make. Do I get out of the Navy or do I stay in and hopefully this thing would resolve? They told me it could take up to two years, but they have, there's no guarantees. And so I chose to get out. And here's what even – so here, here I was. I was a pilot that could no longer fly. I had a degree mm. in electrical engineering that I had never used. I was offered one job in engineering at Qualcomm, being a test bench engineer, at uh, less than I was making in the military. And I saw the description for the job, and man, gag me, sitting there all day long testing electronics in a, in an, a warehouse. Not for me. I had no idea what was next. And here I am, 
trying to support my family, walking around, taking any job that I could. Most of them were in sales. And I'm walking to my next appointment, and here's the jets coming in overhead up at Miramar, coming in for the oh, break. Man. And I knew exactly what they were doing and what they're looking at, why they're doing it at that time. And and like that, that was gone. And then a year, well, nine months into after I got out of the military, my double vision completely went away. So, Brian, if I had stayed in, I would have continued to – one of my run one of my best friends – uh, is now a three-star admiral. And I know I would have had a career that was, you know, at least in line with some of the things that he accomplished. And I got to tell you, that was so hard. I was totally rudderless. I was absolutely functionally depressed. If somebody even looked at me wrong, talked to me wrong, I thought they had no integrity, I would just quit. There was many times Donna would come home from work and I was already home. She'd be like, again? I'm like, yeah, don't worry about it. I'll find another job. And I had no problem wow. finding the job, but um, I got to tell you, it was hard. And it was during that period, and this is, you know, starting to connect the dots about how powerful the marketplace is. It was at one of these companies that I met a guy who just became an incredible mentor. And I love something John Maxwell says, man, you got to connect before you can pull. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He totally connected with me. He helped me kind of think through what I was good at, what I really should be doing. And it was through that process that he introduced me to some other men that were all doing just really cool things in business. They had great marriages. They were, they were, man, they were joyful. I was not a joyful guy. And it was through that process that these guys led me to the Lord and, and brought me into that personal relationship. And without, I don't think, getting out of the military and having where I was mentally looking, you know, giving up on myself, giving up on my dream, looking for anything that would give me some hope back, man, I was talk about that is a dark place, being at a place without hope, because I think that's where I was. As a matter of fact, I know that's where I was. And it was these men in the marketplace that connected with me on equipping me in a business sense that opened that door. Because if somebody at that time would have invited me to go to church or a revival or a Promise Keepers event, man, no thanks. Uh, that wouldn't have happened. It's not where I was at. And so I saw that. And now I got to tell you, that was that started an incredible journey into a completely different career as an entrepreneur, starting companies, technology companies, financial service companies. Um, also, Looking back on it, a lot of the folks that, you know, stayed at, you know, and I applaud them, but my first 24 months in a, uh, an active duty squadron, I was out at sea 19 months. So raising wow. kids and having that relationship with your wife and your kids, it is a extra level of challenge uh, to stay connected in that, in that area. And you know what? I've been able to be here every, you know, with my kids, making that a priority all the way through raising them. So... You know, it's hard to go through sometimes, but when you look back and say, okay, well, who did I become through that? What did I learn? What did I, what did I do well? I was trying to look at, at areas. I'm always trying to be this constant learner. I think, you know, that's something that's always served me well. Even through those hard times, I was always trying to figure out what, what is the meaning in this? How do I put this in context? And what is happening to me today that might help me tomorrow? What happened to me last month or last year that might, you know, that I can draw from to help me do better with what I'm doing today? Does that make sense? Oh, totally. And and I, my suspicion is that it's not always easy to to process through that with that attitude because you're in the middle of it. You're You're struggling through it and you're grappling with the unknown and all these factors of just being seemingly disconnected from everything you love, but yet not having a grasp on what's, what's in the future, you know? So I, I commend you because you were able to process through that. And uh, somebody said one time that foresight is rarely as clear as hindsight. And it's wonderful that we can look back on those experiences and see that our steps were being ordered of the Lord. And we, even though we didn't understand the, the, meaning of the transition or the necessity of the transition in the moment, looking back, you can see clearly that it was for good. Yeah. You know, something that really helped me, if I could share something that um, I was sitting there with Lance Wall now having a conversation. You're familiar with Lance, correct? Oh yeah, sure. And he had me on a big piece of paper. He said, I want you to just draw a straight line through this big piece of paper and go back as early as you can 
and start plotting the the points in your life from a spiritual perspective, spiritual highs and lows. This is even before I was a believer, but how I would rate that. And we started, you know, creating this map, these highs and these lows, and what was higher and lower than other ones. And and what Lance challenged me is, hey, you know, if you can look at those low points and really look at those from a place of learning, now, you, you know, you've moved to a place of spiritual maturity. And if you're looking at some of those points, those transitions, and really are looking at those places, and there's definitely a, a really deep emotional component, then there, you know, there's still healing that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what are some of those things that caught, you know, that you were enjoying as you were moving up or what caused that downturn? And I got to tell you, for me, looking at all these different points in my life through the accident, through my business failing when the Internet bubble popped and losing everything, going almost seven figures in debt um, to declaring personal bankruptcy to marriage problems through my accident that I had five years ago and really looking at everything in context to. And then just accepting this notion that all of this are points of destiny that have prepared me perfectly for what God has called me to do today in this moment at what I'm doing in, you know, in this chair that I'm in right now. In the season, you know, down the road, it might be different. There might be something coming that, you know, the higher the low that's going to prepare me for the next one. Um, but you, it's that attitude. I, I think, you know, Lance really helped me to pull a lot of, um, equipping from a lot of these things in the past that were very difficult to go through. By the way, you mentioned another accident. This is not the softball accident. This is a serious life flight brain injury accident happened five years ago. Uh, you want to give everybody just a quick clue on what that was about? Because that, that was another major transition for you. Major. Oh, that was that was the biggest one yet. I was... Uh uh, I'd been working at a Fortune 100 company and just was tired of. I wanted to go build something, so I um, joined a, a company. Uh, and this is five months before the accident. I was gonna, I was gonna help run this company, and, and I got invited by Dr. Dobson to go on a retreat up in Montana, and I flew my plane up there. We talked about that. They, my SR22, yeah. uh, great airplane, landed on Thursday, and then Friday we're going to go. We're, we're all meeting. These are people that are part of his board for a new ministry that Dr. Dobson was starting, and we're going to go horseback ride to the back of this property and, and get to know each other. You know, talk more. And I was one of the first ones saddled, and I get on this horse, and the horse starts trotting out into this big open area, and then all of a sudden, Brian, the horse just bolts and takes off like a 90-degree turn to the right, and I'm laying flat on my back, and his rump has slapped me in the shoulder blades, and I was scared to death that I was going to you know, flip off the back of this horse and get kicked in the head, and so I'm squeezing my legs as hard as I possibly can so I don't flip off. Um, not much of a horseback rider, so anybody listening, you know if you know horses what I was telling the horse to do by squeezing, and I'm telling him to go faster. And, um, that was a mistake, but I didn't know what else to do. I got myself back up in the saddle and I'm looking straight ahead and I'm, and I'm heading straight at a steel corral fence line that ended, um, to the left. So if the horse just did a little bit of a jog to the left, we'd be free and clear. And I figured, okay, I could just bring him back around. So I, I, I reached down and I grabbed the rein and I pulled his head to the left and he just pulled his head back and did not even break stride. We're going straight at the fence and we're going faster and faster and faster. So I grabbed the rein and I pulled even harder and he pulled his head back even farther, even harder, almost pulled the rein out of my hand. And I honestly was just incredulous and I just started panicking and everything I've done, flying in combat and low levels and landing on the boat at night, I had never felt just completely out of control, completely panicked, fearful, and we're just getting closer and closer to the fence. And then I'm thinking, I got to jump off this horse, but I've jumped off this horse. I'm going to break my neck. And, and then all of a sudden, I think it's maybe 20, 30 yards in front of the fence. It's like everything just slowed down, that slow motion. And I remember thinking to myself very calmly, and I said, this is not going to end well. And that's the last thing I remembered. Uh, the horse, thank God, I don't remember what happened next because the horse went into the fence, dropped his rump, and then bucked so hard he flipped over and slammed into the fence on his side on the ground, rump first. And when he did that, he launched me, and I went straight into the steel fence. And my my I hit on the left side of my skull, crushed the entire left side of my skull. Uh, my left eye is uh, completely blind. It broke all the bones behind the eye socket. Lost eight teeth. Uh, I broke my neck, shattered my shoulder. I crushed my left rib cage. I punctured my left lung. Um, I woke up on the ground 
and I could feel people holding me down, my, my head, my shoulders, my hips. And um, all I was aware of in that moment was just more pain that I could even describe. And uh, mm. beyond my breaking point, man, I was totally panicking and, and my my head was all cut open. I won't describe it. It's just the people around me, it was not pretty. And I was yelling and screaming. I didn't even know I was doing that. And I was moving around. I was trying to get away from the pain. And I could hear them all talking. And then all of a sudden, one of the guys said he watched me relax so completely, thought I was sinking into the ground. And But it was in that moment, all of a sudden, I just felt God's presence come around me, Brian. And it was the most wow. perfect, unconditional, personal love. This was between Jesus and John, like like a husband and wife, but at it, such a different level. It was like the fabric of the universe is just this love, and I got to touch it. And I remember as soon as I was in his presence, and I didn't know how bad it was, but the first thought that crossed my mind was, I am not worthy of somebody loving me like this. And wow. then um, there was like waves washing over me. Um, it was just rhythmic. It was this peace. And as I felt this, all that pain and panic and fear was, it didn't just diminish. I mean, it was gone. It was removed. And uh, then God spoke to me, and it was this voice that came from everywhere and nowhere, and it wasn't to my ears. It was like this, like this consciousness flowing through me. Uh, very hard to describe, but what he said was, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord, right? And he said, I'm going to heal you and use this for my glory. And he said, hey, the Lord give us, the Lord taketh the way. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And as soon as he said that, I knew my left eye was permanently blind. Um, I still kind of wonder about why he told me that there at the accident, because it's still, it, it's blind. The nerve is cut but behind my eye socket. Unless God heals it, it's, there's, there's no, 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 no treatment for that. And then I opened my eyes and calmly said to everybody around me, I said, God's here. He said, it's going to be okay. You don't have to worry. And then for the next hour until lifelike came to bring me to the hospital, I just sat there and chatted with everybody. And I did keep some, you know, repeating a number of questions. So they knew, you know, my eggs were a bit scrambled. But the paramedic that was there said they have never seen anything like this, where somebody just laid there calmly with the kind of injuries they could tell I had and just had a conversation. And that was the start. I spent six weeks in ICU and then 20 months down here at Craig Hospital in Denver, a specialty hospital with a severe traumatic brain injury. Had 25 surgeries, and a lot, many of those, some very major surgeries, and was told at the beginning, told by multiple doctors, what happened to me was not survivable. In best case, I should have been a quadriplegic, and that was the start of a very. And I'm still, I, I still cannot do what I used to be able to do, in many respects. Um, cognitively, I've, I've healed 100 percent. But I cannot work full time. I still get very fatigued. I have to be very careful. I'm in chronic pain. My head, my neck right now, just from sitting in the chair, is starting to get very, very ornery at me. So I just, I just have to be. But God's given me these limitations. And Brian, the way I've looked at it is, you know what? In my business career, man, I, I could outwork anybody around me. You know, if it, if it took 70, 80, 90 hours a week, man, I was there. I knew I could outwork the folks around me. And, and what God has put me in a place now is uh, this knowledge that I can do more with him on 20 hours a week than I ever used to do on my own, even at 80 oh, or wow. 90 hours a week, Brian. And that is exactly what is unfolding as we've stepped into you know what I've been doing since the accident. That's amazing. Gosh, how encouraging is that? Just incredible. You know, one of the things I noticed uh, on your website is you – you really focus a great deal in your framework on values. And hearing you tell your story uh, the last little while here as we wrap up, I suspect that you're, you've visited that quite a bit during this process, and you've probably landed on what's really important in life. If you were going to kind of summarize all of this and share with our audience some of the major takeaways and lessons and values you've brought away from this, what would they be? Well, I think that, you know, the first thing is, and I, and that, you know, through this, I think one of my biggest messages, right, is I was given this incredible second chance and I never saw it as this burden to live up to. I think kind of mm. uh, God freed me of that. 
uh, going through this, uh, but I've always seen it as this beautiful gift that I get to give to other people. And I was sharing this with a good friend of mine, Brian, and and I was talking to him about this whole concept that of my second chance and what is this message for others? And he goes, you know what I would argue is that every single day when we wake up, we have a chance at that second chance. And the question is, are we going to, are we going to grab it? And I thought that was so powerful that every single day we have a second chance. And this is why I think values, values are so important. I think, you know, one of the biggest clues to what we're called to do is if we really dig in and we look at what our passions are, what are those things that just bring us alive, that we love to do, that just affirm us. But here's what I became aware of is that passions do not have a value system. Right. I might have a passion for, let's say, being significant or, or, you know, like the five love languages, right? For words of affirmation. There's things that I can do that might not be in alignment with, you know, that convergence you talked about before, right? With what God wants me to be doing. And so really getting touch with those passions gives us that direction toward what our calling is. But I think understanding those, those core values, I really think that God wired every one of us. With you know just this uh, limit, the small number of core values, and whenever we have conflict or tension or anxiety in our life, there's something we're doing that are not honoring those. A lot of us operate. This is I can speak for myself in the area of what I call should values, right? The the values that we think we should have for this situation, the values I should have in this role, and we have to stop shooting on ourselves, and we have to wow. get in touch with those core values that God put in there. Because those core values, that now that informs us who we are being, right? The being of a leader, the being of a husband, the being of a father, because yes. that being informs the doing. Because if we, if we accept that, right, I can do something to give myself recognition, right? Uh, I mean, you see it every day in the Hollywood and media and the news reports, right? I could do something sensational that might fill that passion, but it's not edifying God or building the kingdom. And when we link, when we have awareness of these two separate things, and then we bring those together, now all of a sudden we, we can really move in the direction of what we're called to do. And the thing that gives us the power, the juice, the energy to move in that direction is this is first of all, you talk about it in your book, right? Is first of all, the healing, we got to clear away all these roadblocks and these limiting beliefs and these lies, but then we have to develop that self-awareness, right? What are our spiritual gifts? What are our talents? Those are things that we do naturally. I don't even have to practice. It's just, right? Like, uh, Brian, you you have just an amazing talent of pulling men together, seeing the best in them, and bringing that out into the world, right? If you didn't, if you went on a, a hike for a year you would and didn't even talk to a person, you would come back and jump right into that mode. That is a talent. Skills are things we have to practice on. But when we get that awareness, man, that is now the voltage that's now we coupling that with who we are, our values and our passions. And if we couple all those together, uh, we call that moving up into the right, moving to that 10, 10 life. I want to be tapped into my passions at a 10 operating in who God created me to be my gifts, my skills, my talents at a 10. Now we're operating in a place that is a really joyful, powerful place. So everything that I do, I'm trying to intentionally move up into the right more into my passions more into my gifts and my my strengths and my skills and, and just have integrity um, of living that out in accordance to the values that God sowed into me. Well, how can our folks connect with you? Because I, I, I really, I can't stress this enough. I, I want the Strategic Leader Podcast listeners and our brianholmes.com community to connect with John Ramstead because what you're doing is powerful. Your story is so authentic and real and and it connects and I've, I've been on your site. I know a lot of what you do is so aligned with our heart and our mind toward people. How can people connect with you on a regular basis? I'd love to have you connected. Just go to um, eternalleadership.com um, or, you know, just send me a, an email. I'd love to hear from you. John at eternalleadership.com. We're also launching one of my passions. You know, that Project 100 is to equip coaches to really go be able to have a a business that, you know, that supports them income wise, it has an influence and that impact. So we're launching the Beyond Influence Academy on really how to accelerate 
people that are kind of really called into coaching, whatever field that happens to look like in the kind of the coaching world and how to really accelerate your journey. If, if that would be interesting to people, just shoot me an email. I'd love to, I can get you some more information about that, but just John at eternalleadership.com and everything's there on our website and um, all of our podcast episodes. And Brian, you were a guest on the, uh, on the podcast and it was a, I tell you, it was one of the most powerful conversations I think we've, we've had yet, my friend, on just that, that area of healing. And, um, and thank you for doing that. And love to have your listeners just come and listen to you because that episode was so meaningful to me personally. Oh man, I'm, I'm so honored to have been on the program and thank you for saying that. And, uh, I feel the same way about this because man, I, here's my thing. There's a lot of experts out there, but then there are people who have real life heart level, uh, God centered experience behind their expertise. And those people we can connect with on a heart level. And that's what I love about you, John, is, uh, you have a beautiful spirit, a beautiful heart and man, uh, I, I cannot wait to see where this relationship goes. And I, I'm convinced, of course, that this is a connection that God intended us to, to make. So uh, welcome to my world, and I'm glad to be in yours, my friend. <laughs> yes, thank you. And thank you for, uh, honestly, what you're doing. And uh, um, I really look forward to the day that you and I get to meet in person, man. It's, it's going to be like one of those things, you know, where... You know, some of those folks you just meet, you just know that you know that when you get together, it's going to be like you've known each other your whole life, and that's, that's how I feel about you, Brian. So, man, thanks. Awesome. Thanks, my friend. Likewise. Thanks for being on the program, man, and, and thanks for taking out of your time, and thanks for giving so much. I know it's uh, not as easy for you as it is for some people because of all you've been through, but thank you for, uh, for pouring into our audience today. Thank you, man. My pleasure, and thank you, Brian. Well, I trust that... Our interview with John Ramstead really spoke to you. What an incredible guy. You can find out more about John at eternalleadership.com. Eternalleadership.com. That's where his podcast, his blog is hosted, and you definitely want to connect with him for sure. Hey, there's a lot of wonderful things taking place here at brianholmes.com. In fact, for a number of weeks now, we've been doing special edition episodes. We've been updating and upgrading our podcast, updating and upgrading our website, uh, getting ready to launch some new initiatives, some new things. And we're super excited to bring those to you. And uh, we want you to really stay tuned. In fact, next week on the podcast, I'm going to be sharing with you a pre-launch episode for the new podcast. And we really want you to be a part of that. Well, if you'd like to find out more about what we're doing, you can go to brianholmes.com for all that information. And we certainly encourage you to write to us, comment on these episodes. Uh, Let us know how what we're doing is impacting your life. If you've not, not yet done so, please subscribe to our weekly email updates. We'd love to have you in our community. And also, be sure to share this with your friends on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google+, and all the wonderful places that you hang out with the people you love and care about. Hey, listen, uh, I want to make sure you remember we've got a special thing going on with regards to our upcoming training, brianholmes.com forward slash next level. Check that out, brianholmes.com forward slash next level. I look forward to seeing you very, very soon. Until then, God bless. God bless.